piece on the wide. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the show. This episode is with Boris Veldhusen van Zotten. And Boris, if you're listening to this, I may have murdered that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, in this episode, you're going to find a lot of Boris's backstory on the next web, how he's built, what he's built. And it's a really deep talk into kind of applying that into everyone else's life and how they can do something similar. Also, if you want to find the content for this you can go onto my Instagram at Josh Chingus, give it a follow. I post a lot of stuff on there about the episodes I release. This one will definitely be on there. Also, if you like the show, subscribe, like, tell me what you uh, want to hear. Everything that you'd you'd like to hear from these guests, I'm really open to asking questions from you guys. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. All right, Boris, you ready to rock and roll? I sure am. Let's do this. All right, Boris, so just quickly for us, uh, introduce yourself here so we know who you are, what you do, maybe some of your hobbies, and then we can we can go from there. All right. Uh, my name is Boris Velthuizen von Zanten, and if I want to tease <laughs> you, I'll make you pronounce that, but I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm the founder and CEO of uh, T&W, the next web. And this is a company that uh, does events and media and also uh, spaces. So we have a bunch of buildings in Amsterdam and we're expanding to other cities, other countries. Um, and our audience is basically everybody who is someone in digital. So if you're sort of <laughs> getting ahead through digital or maybe advancing digital in broadest terms, then uh, I think you're our audience. Yeah. So, Boris, just because I'm curious here, how did that eventually, the idea, come about? What was the idea yeah. like when you found out you wanted to create this? I wanted to ask Boris this question, like, before anything, just because in my research, I knew about all these stories, these YouTube videos of how he grew the next web. But I didn't really understand how he actually initially got the idea, so I wanted to know how that story came about. So I can maybe understand you know, a fuller picture of, you know, his journey with this, this company that is. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no grand strategy. I'll be, I'll be honest about this. Uh, like, uh, I, I think the good thing about our company is it's, it, it started because me and my co-founder just liked doing a thing. Yeah. And the thing was, was just, we, we just loved digital and everything that was happening. And we thought this is just gonna change the world and uh, we can be yeah. not just like a spectator to this thing but also like an active participant maybe even influence it for the better yeah. and 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 but that's already sort of more lofty than than we started out with so like yeah. the real humble beginnings were that we had a startup and we wanted to launch it at a conference and we couldn't afford it because we were already ra- running out of funding and then very naively we said why don't we just host our own conference mm. how hard can it be so, so I've learned if my co-founder says, how hard can it be? I, I should panic because it's, it's always harder than you think. But, uh, but that's how we started. And, and nice. I think that with the first conference, we, we thought like our goal is not to host a conference, to be conference organizer. We just want to launch our startup. So if we break even, if, even if we make a small uh, loss on, on the event, doesn't matter because the goal is just to launch the startup. Exactly. And that also meant that like our only focus was quality. So we just wanted to have like the best event ever. We didn't care about making money. Oh. And, and, and that sort of, yeah, by accident, we ended up investing more in quality than anything else. And then people 
like that and they said like this is such a high quality event and we're like yeah yeah because we don't care keep coming back yeah. or, or, or because we care right because we care we we only care about it. we don't care about taking money we, we care about making something that's awesome exactly and uh, yeah and i think very unintentionally that became sort of the yeah the foundation and and it says a lot about our culture um and i i think that's the i mean the story is longer but i think this is yeah for me, the most important takeaway, like uh, I hear these stories about people who write a business plan and have these vision from the beginning and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I we guess did that, so much that's an option that. too. <laughs> yeah, we, we came up with everything like afterwards. Yeah. 100%. So Boris, that's definitely a story we want to get into here uh, later on in the interview. But to start off, I do like to just ask a random question to all my guests to keep it light and fun here. And it's just based on the research that I do on, on, on the guests. So I think it, it keeps it interesting. And the, and the thing that I found for you was I had this question down, but I want to ask another question because after I had written this down, I found something else out that I really was curious about, which was you wanting to do circus school. Was that correct? Before you want to do anything entrepreneurial. So with that, I knew also knew that you could juggle seven things at once, which is pretty crazy. I yeah, guess there's there's two questions here. So what was the goal and, and the aspirations of doing a circus before anything else? And then how did you learn how to juggle seven things at one time? How much time did that take to to do? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll answer your question, but it's uh, <laughs> yeah. but I'll refer to something else first. 100%. So I, I, I'm not sure if you have you seen the Steve Jobs, uh, like the, the speech he did, I think it's Stanford for people who were graduating have, have you ever seen that one yeah I think so it's, I it's a, yeah yeah like it's more, uh, like almost everybody saw it but there, there's a great story about connecting the dots and he says like like as it happens you're never sure what's going to happen everything seems random but then afterwards you start connecting the dots yeah and uh, that's a beautiful concept and I, I i think for my story it's similar like if, if you were here that i uh, i dropped out of school when i was 15 and i went to circus school then i went to art school and then i started my first company that doesn't necessarily make sense that's not a career path that you would sort of advise other people like oh you want to yeah. be an entrepreneur well drop out of school go to circus school art school. no but to me it it it, like every step made sense so when i was 15 i was uh, like at the end of uh, my school career i was very unhappy in school i was uh, dyslexic trouble i had bad eyesight so i was sort of the, the nerd geek of the class that everybody thought was either a lunatic or 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 a retard and and oh. like I, i'm not using the word retard lightly uh, I, I, that's actually what the teacher said to my parents like he might be slightly wow. retarded because he's just dumb and and I, i'm very lucky that my parents just always said like no he's not dumb like boris is clearly not dumb that's not it um which is amazing because like yeah. they they always gave me the impression that i was smart and normal and the rest of the like the world was crazy and weird yeah, like and then some yeah weird, and then some later i realized like, like well <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think later in life i understood like oh wait a minute i am the old one out right so yeah. like but anyway, um, so I dropped out of school. And for me, that's sort of where my life began, because that's the moment I realized, like, wait a minute, I'm now on my own. I get to make my own decisions. From now on, I'm sort of the director of, of what this movie, which is my life, is going to be. Exactly. So this was a very important step. And then the Cirque School was something I had interested 
interest in, but it was also my only option because, like, officially, I I still had to go to school, right? You're you're uh, yeah. obligated to go to school, but uh, but the circus school was sort of my out. I was good with juggling. I had a unicycle already, and so when I was in art school, I I like I didn't see a career in circus for myself, but I thought this is just a very interesting thing to do now. And something that will come in handy in some way. Like I don't juggle every day, but just the, <laughs> like the yeah the the discipline and and the showmanship that you learn in circus school, I think still comes in handy. Hmm. And then the same thing for art school. So I went to art school and art school, like I, I I spent seven years in art school and I never really thought like I'm going to be a typical regular artist. I just thought the whole mindset of uh, thinking about things differently, right? Having a different perspective on life, uh, creating yeah. things was just interesting, inspiring. Yeah. And so the discipline of art school, the independence, the independency of, of dropping out of school, and then the creative mindset that I that I thought I was taught in art school combined, I think, uh, is my competitive edge as an entrepreneur, yeah. right? So, yeah. so what sets me apart in meetings is that I work harder than other people. I'm an independent thinker and I'm a creative thinker. So if there's a problem, I'm the guy to see, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, Bora, I think that brings up an interesting topic of like what the general like education has to say about people that sort of stand out a little bit, not because they want to, just because that's how they really do things, their their mind functions that way. I feel like I'm a little bit that way as well. But um, that's just an interesting topic that would take a long time to dive into. But Boris, <laughs> to move into kind of the bulk of the interview here where I want to ask the majority of the questions, one of the, one of the questions I did in research I want to just ask right now because I think it's applicable and it, it's the right timing. Because you're in kind of the media space with the next web, it's a, it's a blogging site. You guys cover technology, all sorts of stuff in that, in that field. What I want to ask from this question is, what do you, most people not see when looking at what you do with the next web? What type of things are behind the scenes that make media companies work that you can say to us, kind of break it down? What, do, what does the average person not really see? How does it all function, scale? Give us what you, what yeah. you think there. Yeah. I th so I'll give you one example. When we started, so we first had the conference and then we started the blog later. Uh, and we started it because we simply thought if we hire one writer and uh, he or she writes eight articles a day and does that for a year and like a writer is cheap, so it's probably like 2,500 a month. So yeah. uh, how many tickets would we have to sell to make back that investment? Well, and we're like, well, that's like 50 or something. So we're like, all right, do we think if we write every day that we sell 50 tickets a year more? We're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and we're like, all right, let's hire a writer. So that's the that was the business plan. And I think that was also very naive. So first of all, you can't write eight articles a day if you want them to be high quality. Yeah. Then uh, there are, especially then, there were millions of people writing articles daily, right? So, So you have to find sort of your 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 voice your and and i think this is something that people don't see it's that it takes years to develop yeah. your voice your personality and in that sense like a, a blog or a media company is almost like a like a child right like it takes mm. it takes time to develop your character to to understand who you are and and then to express that to other people as well and then the the extra complexity is that that you want this 
character to like like if you hire a new person you sort of have one hour to make them understand what the personality is <laughs> and then being able to explain that to other people right so yeah <laughs> so i think that's one of the yeah that that sort, sort of the unspoken things that you mm. you sort of have to feel about a company it, it took us uh, i think 10 or 12 years before we first sat down and wrote down like what are the values of TNW and how do we explain what TNW is wow. and it was uh, it took us a year or something it was so complicated and we kept saying like why is this so hard why can't we explain who we are and what we do but then at one point I said it's kind of like if you're in love with someone and if, if, if you're in love with someone and I ask you tell me why you're in love with this person you could talk for hours, right? Yeah. Oh, it's this and it's that. It's that little detail. It keeps you know, on leading to you more all, things, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can talk about it for hours. And if I listen to you, you're like, oh, wow, you're clearly in love. And I, <laughs> that's, that's. But then if I tell you, all right, now uh, distill that into one sentence. And the sentence, yeah. why you love this person, has to be so good that I can take the sentence, give it to someone else, and then they fall in love with that person too. Exactly. Right? And you're like... Shit, yeah, but then that's <laughs> that's that's gonna take you a year. That's like, crazy. how do you catch like someone in one sentence? And it's the same yeah. for a company. Like, if you say like, "What's your elevator pitch?" and like, "My elevator pitch," that would be an insult, right? If you say, yeah. "All right, tell me why the person you love is so special," you get seventeen seconds. You're like, what? No, it's <laughs> yeah. so like, no, you gotta meet this person and talk yeah. to. And for an hour and then you might understand right so yeah so boris uh kind of along those same lines i want to keep it in this phase of of initially starting i know that you kind of broke down how you started the next web in the beginning but just so that we can kind of understand a little bit more and as as, as you walk through that i can just break it down a little bit a little bit more just walk through the very beginnings of the idea how you initially thought of the next web and then kind of the next six months a year of what you did to to scale it and then we can we can go the question was really meant to start the process i mean breaking down more in depth of how boris has done what he's done with his company so i was hoping that this could open up more conversations to just dive deeper into different aspects of how he did things, what, how he accomplished all those things, what his thoughts were, all this good stuff. That's kind of what this question was geared to. Yeah, I, I think, um, as I said, the conference was sort of a happy accident and, and that the blog was just a naive thing. Um, and pretty soon after that, we started realizing that, and I think some of that is our culture. So we're based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. And Amsterdam is a very uh, progressive uh, city. It was always mm. focused on art and science and technology. Uh, the Dutch also have a, like a peculiar sense of humor. We're very direct. We're, we can be cynical. We can be honest. Uh, and, and I think all these, like in, in the beginning, we weren't really aware of, of, of this, right? But mm. then other people, like international people, started saying these things about the site they would say like oh your reporting is so direct so honest and you have such a quirky sense of humor and then we sort of started recognizing like hey wait a minute that sort of sounds like how they explain <laughs> what dutch people are like <laughs> yeah. even though all our writers were not from the netherlands right it's always yeah. been a very international company so that we realized like right so that's sort of our 
um, our values, even though yeah. they're unwritten, sort of we we um, yeah we like the people who work here understand that they they live that and, yeah. and that became, I think, the thing that set us apart. Yeah, if Boris, if I can cut and in I, here, how did you yeah, um, sure? How did you find the people to write for you? Like, what was it like to find these international writers? Was it just going through the web, going through some sort of software, web browser online? Like, how did you begin no, to scale think, your writers? Yeah, I think everything is, um, I, I think we're, like, at the next web, in everything we do, we're very human-centered, right? So I honestly mm -hmm. believe that, like, if, if you're talking about technology, it's not interesting until you talk about technology and the intersection of humanity. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think there's, like every writer we we found we found through our own network basically people just mm. show up right and we build relationships even on twitter so like there's the, the, the there are two funny stories there's one like at one point our editor-in-chief left and he announced it in the morning and i i, I tweeted it and i said like oh shit editor-in-chief left He's and gone. then like <laughs> yeah that was just one guy and he was just on the toilet and he just refreshed twitter and he's like oh hey <laughs> i i'd love to do that and he sent me he replied to the tweet publicly like i could yeah. do that and then he sent his resume and then i look at it and i'm like well perfect when can you start and you're like now and that all <laughs> happened in one day right and and then wow. and that sounds like uh, oh wow that's a great coincidence but then i'm like no 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 because that's that's how we work right we're very open about what's happening we're we're building these relationships. Like I was already chatting to the guy on Twitter, even though I had never met him. And so I was already mm. sort of aware, but uh, like he understood my sense of humor and his sense of humor. So yeah. there's always a story like that. There's another story. At one point I had a Twitter account for my cat. And, no and yeah, so I because I, the cat's just so funny. I used to make up sort of, so, so for my kids and my girlfriend, I would sort of, you know, do impressions of what the cat was thinking because yeah. he's always sort of looking at us like you shit ads would give me more food. Right? <laughs> so I was sort of, and at one point I'm like, eh, this would be funny on Twitter. So I started tweeting like his, his, his thoughts. Hmm. And then there was a guy following my cat, and I looked and I sort of was intrigued <laughs> because he kept retweeting the cats and I looked at his profile and turned it out to be like a mobile developer. And then no we, way. at one point it came up like, Hey, we need a mobile developer. And I was like, Oh, I might know one. So, but he wasn't following me, he was following the cat. So I had the cats interview him for the job <laughs> yeah. and then I had the cats hire the developer. And I kind of forgot, but uh, and, uh, so he worked for us for, for a while and at one point he left and he said, well, actually, and he told the story to the whole company, like I was hired by a cat. And, <laughs> I was hired uh, by a cat. And, uh, yeah, hired by a cat. So, I, I, and I like these things, right? I, I like... Yeah. I, I think it might sound like uh, it's a very light touch or, or like humor or, but I, I like these things. I like, I like it when business is personal. I like it when the reporting yeah. is personal and the, the, the story I tell new, new writers, I, I tell them there are 6,000 new apps in the app store every day and that's mm -hmm. all news, but it's not newsworthy. But if you oh. tell me a story that there's an app that's a year old, but it saved your life last week, that's the story you want to hear, right? Exactly. Like there's an app that saved your life. That's newsworthy, right? So 100%. and why is it newsworthy? Well, because it's personal, because it's human. That's when it gets interesting. So yeah. 
So I, I think at the conference and the media, but even in the spaces here, I, I always, and, and, and to people within the company, I always try to emphasize this and say technology is not about the ones and the zeros and the bits and the bytes and the yeah. software and the hardware. It's really about humans. 100%. So, so Boris, kind of going along with, with what you said about the conference, for me and my chair, like running and operating a conference after, like you did in the, in the beginning, you had no idea how to do a conference. You were like, yeah, I know it's the thing to do. So me and my co-founder, we're just going to do it. Tell us just about that story of, of starting, running, scaling, getting attention for that, for that conference. Tell us and dive deep into like the process of starting and then like eventually running that conference when it, when it came time. Tell us that story of how you got that one kicked off. I really want to understand the event side of Boris's company because they do a lot of them and they're really nice. People really love these events. They're established in, in Europe. But it wasn't always that way is what I found in research. So I want to know deeper how he actually ran these things in the very beginning, what happened, what kind of heat he was, he was getting, all this sort of stuff. Because running events is a big production, and with his, you know, they're unique, and they were different at the time when they started. So I really want to understand, you know, the things he was feeling, what his strategies were, you know, how he handled the infrastructure, all that good stuff is kind of where this question came from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a good question. So, the, the, I think what we understood early on is that you have to find people who are smarter than yourself and then work <laughs> with them, right? So, I, I think the I think the focus was always that. Like, I know, like one example is that we, I, I think it was the third or the fourth conference where I was still doing all the Wi-Fi access points, but I was also presenting on stage and interviewing the speakers and, and like basically we were do, doing everything ourselves. And I would also like host the keynote dinner at my house and cook for 30 speakers like on the evening of the conference, which was like <laughs> super stressful. Oh, and man. yeah, and then like as I was doing all these things, I, I, I realized like, you know, the Wi-Fi access points, that's just, a shitty job that somebody else could do so much better but then the cooking is also a shitty job <laughs> that's actually really good if i would do that right because then yeah. you have a personal connection to the exactly. speakers so so i still cook dinner for the speakers right so and we now have like 200 speakers so nice. so i i team up with a like a professional chef and the owner of a hotel and then we, the three of us cook dinner for all the speakers which is a like an amazing evening yeah but I don't, I no longer do the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so this is a way of not answering your questions, right? Because you're asking for specifics. But, so Boris, uh, this if, is I could, also, yeah. if I could come in, what is the yeah. Wi-Fi again? So people can understand the, the, when you say you didn't want to run the Wi-Fi or what, what was, what is that specifically? Yeah. What was that job well, like? So the, yeah. So we had like these access points for, for, for the wireless internet and they would crash because they were just consumer access points and we had like a room with like 2000 people all trying to get online yeah and i, I think i think these like these access points would crash if they had like more than 30 people connecting to them or so or so Sheesh. so wow. so and i had like six or ten of them so the only <laughs> thing i could do was just run around and reset them all the time so just run to the <laughs> next one unplug it wait for 10 seconds plug it back in wow. and would work for like 10 minutes and it would crash again. So it's just a nightmare. And so, Jeez. I, and, and I think that there's no shame in making these mistakes, right? The, 
I, I think in the beginning, the goal is just to find like the friction in the thing you're doing mm-hmm. and then focusing on the friction and saying like, all right, so this is the thing that's screwing up my day. Who would know better than me how to fix this? And then you go mm-hmm. find someone and, and, and that's how you sort of grow. Yeah. So like at one point we hired a guy, uh, he was very young, but he, like I, I, uh, I spoke at a conference and they assigned like a, sort of a PA to me for the day. And this was just uh, like a young kid. I think he was 18 or 19. It was just like the coolest dude I ever met. He was just so wow. chilled, like nothing could sort of confuse him or he, he never, yeah, he never seemed to get nervous. And then, so at one point I said like, well, what do you want to do? And then we started talking and I said, why don't you come work at TNW? And, we, and he's now the director of events. Nice. And he has this sort of, aura of uh, tranquility and uh, like if there's a conference at the height of like it's total nervous everybody's nervous and he's just standing there with a like with a beer or something just with <laughs> yeah. a smile and it's just totally comfortable <laughs> yeah it's just totally comfortable and I, I remember like two or three years ago i walked up to him and he was standing there like with a beer like to like in the middle of an event with like fifteen thousand people right he's standing there with a beer chatting to someone with a smile on his face so i'm like hey are you uh, everything okay he's like well you know there's always something wrong so like, right. <laughs> oh my gosh and uh, but he's just chilled because he's organized so well that there's just no panic because yeah. he just he's he's so logical he's like that's just not efficient yeah. right panicking huh. being nervous is just not efficient you just take care of your shit and then you don't need to panic or be nervous so yeah. we're standing there Somebody comes up to him and he's just like, there's a problem with so-and-so and panicking and nobody knows what to do. And, uh, and then he says, right, right, right. But you do know what to do, right? And it's like, well, I, I guess so. so. And then he said, so what do you think you should do? He's like, well, I think I should fix it like this. And he's like, right, I agree. <laughs> so go fix it. Yeah. And then the, guy, and the person went like, right, right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and walked away. And uh, then I also ordered a beer and, uh, and we both funny. relaxed for a while. But yeah, so <laughs> I, I think my, I don't think there's a way, there's nothing I can tell you to avoid mistakes, right? Yeah. I, I'd say uh, lean in, find the mistakes, find the friction, just yeah. just do it. And that's my second piece of advice is never take advice from people like me, right? So, <laughs> so Experiment, I'm serious yeah. because uh, like, like what worked for me in my time with my team in my industry is so different than what's going to work for you and your personality with your partners and in your industry in your time even in the place where you are right so so i think the worst type of advisor is, is like arrogant people in uh who have done something that's successful and who yeah. are going to tell you like hey you know what you should do and they give you advice like that's that's awful right you yeah. like you're the expert i trust your you more than myself when it comes <laughs> to the thing you're doing i don't know so, <laughs> so boris another one of the research questions kind of going along with what you said at the end there i think it's it's pretty good timing to ask this back in the the pioneers festival in 2012 you gave a, a speech about the you know the beginnings and how stuff worked in the beginning with with tnw right and then in that kind of one of your points was the plan was no plan kind of what you've hinted to a little bit here in this interview. But what I want to know is kind of like where that eventually came from. What was, what was the, the initial situation that 
made you think that way? And, and how did you kind of adopt that mentality? And then if you were to pitch it to us, what would you say to us if you wanted us to really understand that and, and, and run with it with the things we're doing? Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so there's a comedian, uh, Ricky Chavez, and they, they once asked him, like, what is the advice you would give your younger self? And then he said, if I would meet my younger self, I would tell myself, nobody else knows what they're doing either. And that's a very powerful statement. 100%. And I think we realized early on, right, that like, uh, so the first conferences, like we really just focused on like having the highest quality speakers. We didn't focus on sponsors at all. Yeah. We just thought like great speakers on stage who have sold tickets. Anybody want to sponsor? get in the back of the line and we'll see (laughs) what works right that was just how it started and and not by strategy but just we thought that was the right thing to do yeah and i know you guys got a lot of that too like you guys got a lot of backlash i remember is what you said on on stage but yeah go on yeah that's true yeah yeah so and i i think it was after the second or the third conference we met with a sort of successful conference organizer and he was very um he was not very respectful. It's like, mm. like he was friendly, but it was, it was very clear that he didn't think much yeah. you know, like very highly of us. And he was uh, like, as Dutch people can be very honest about it as well. So he basically said, you guys have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> like the way you're organizing conferences is just not the way that conferences are organized. Yeah, and then he said, here's how this works. You come up with a topic that you think is like valuable, then you... Uh, invite sponsors and they pay for like the events based on that you can organize the conference then you get the speakers in and then you get the attendees and but we listen to that respectfully and then we respect uh, respectfully uh, (laughs) did not agree (laughs) yeah because (laughs) because yeah because i talked to my partner and i said i've been to these events but then if you talk to the sponsors first they want like a spot on stage yeah. And that's just boring. And then because they promised the sponsors, like there's going to be a thousand people, but they only sell 500 tickets because all the speakers are just sponsors. And then they fill like the room with volunteers and students because they got to fill up the room because they, yeah. you know, so then the content is shit and the sponsors don't get what they want. And the audience exactly. isn't interesting either. Yeah. So it's just not high quality. And so we like, it, it was a, terrifying moment i remember because it's not nice if you're just starting a new very risky thing and somebody tells you like you don't know what you're doing (laughs) but then i think three or four years later there was like a crisis like an economic crisis and a lot of sponsors backed out and for us that wasn't too big of an issue because that was not our first source of revenue it was just tickets but still we had two major like one of them uh, i think i can say now it was a paypal and so they were like our biggest sponsor. And we met them in a different city or a different country. And we said sort of nervously, like, so what are your plans for sponsoring this year? <laughs> and so they said like, oh, no, no sponsoring at all. No, 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 no. Because it's uh, like, uh, yeah, it's a crisis. And yeah. so we can't be seen sponsoring anything. And then and we're like, oh, my God. Right. Because that, that's a big loss. But then he said, except two really high quality conferences which is this other conference and you and that's the moment where we felt so vindicated because suddenly we realized like like the investment in quality 
paid off. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the other, like the the, the arrogance uh, conference organizer that was so uh, disrespectful to us, uh, he went bankrupt like a year later because his whole business model was sponsoring, right? Yeah. So, and I think that was an important lesson that uh, I think it started before that, but that really gave us more strength to realize like nobody else knows what they're doing either. Oh. We got to do what we feel is right, right? And I and see. I think there's been so many moments where like we try to do a new thing and there's there there's like the first thing you want to do is find someone who can tell you how to do it. Yeah. But then you have to <laughs> remind yourself nobody else knows what they're doing either. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing you can do is just think deep within yourself uh, find yeah. sort of your own quality and truth and use that as a starting point Just and jump right in what you th- <laughs> yeah jump right in do what you think like like if you want to organize a party you can go to other people and say how do you organize a party or you could just sit down have a drink or smoke some weed or do something <laughs> that you know inspires you and think like all right what would be the ultimate party for me i what is my what would make a party amazing? What's the best party yeah. I've ever been to? What can I steal left and right and build something that would make it the best thing for me? And then if you yeah. throw the party and nobody shows up, at least you have a great party, right? Yeah. But probably <laughs> because you mean it and it becomes from it comes from from a very yeah, from within you. Organic. It will be original. Yeah, and people will recognize it. They will recognize like this is this is real, right? You didn't read yeah. a book, you didn't study for it no you you you, yeah you're this is original and real Mm. so boris to kind of move on here a little bit with with tnw and the journey of of the company when you guys were in the startup phase obviously and then you 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 got traction and things started to blow up in a way they were growing revenue came in you know two times four times the amount that it was when you finally got that traction, kind of tell us what you were were doing in this in this time period. Were you, you know, what was your strategy? What did things look like? Just kind of dive deep into a couple things of what you were doing in, in this phase, how you were trying to scale more. Just talk a little bit about this this aspect, this yeah. this part of your journey here. Well, just to correct you a little bit, or 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 maybe provide a little bit more context to yeah. your, your question. So. So yes, there was a point where we started growing faster, but traction, like the word traction seems to apply that things are starting to go sort of automatically or, yeah. or easier <laughs> or something like, right? So, oh, there's no growth, so you can lean back. That has never been the case, right? So, hmm. so imagine you have something and it does 500 and then the next year it does a thousand of anything then you're not going to be happy with the thousand because you hope we're hoping for the 1500, right? Yeah. And the next year you do 5,000, but that's probably going to be a disappointment because you were hoping for 10,000, right? So, so I think you're always ambitious. And if, if you see, if, if you see like, Hey, there's room for growth here, then you're going to always be more ambitious and try to achieve more than you think is realistic, right? Yeah. You always want to overachieve. So, I don't think there's still not a moment. So you, you, you read probably that like the financial times has acquired like the majority of my company, uh, mm. about a year ago. And I meet people who say like, ah, so you're relaxing now. And I'm like, no, no, 
There's no <laughs> relaxing. No, no, they acquired 50%. I promised them stuff. So I'm, I'm, this is more possibilities is working yeah. harder than before, not less. Right. So, hmm. so I, I think that's maybe a little bit of a misconception about companies where you're like, Oh, so at one point there's traction, there's revenue, money flows in and you can hmm. sort of relax. I don't think there's ever like if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably ambitious. You want to do stuff, and if you get slightly more successful, that just means you can do more stuff. Yeah. You get even more ambitious, and then you'll risk more, and it's even more <laughs> stress, right? It's, it's, either it's not going well, you have stress, or it's going well, and then you also have stress. So yeah. there's always um, yeah, there hmm. are easier jobs. So so Boris, kind of along those lines, what gets what kind of things do you do day to day that that you know, are stressful for you? What do you, what do you do personally with, with TNW nowadays? Is it, you know, a lot of meetings or is it a lot of kind of working on innovation in a way? What does it look like to be in your shoes right now? Kind of going along with what you're talking about. I think that most of us don't see this side of running a business or entrepreneurship because we might not be there yet. So I wanted to really open up that aspect inside of business with Boris, especially because I think that he'd have interesting points to say because you know he's the creative like director it sounds like to me in this interview but obviously the ceo he's he's the man over this company so i'm just interested to see kind of how he's doing things what he's doing day to day to help the company out yeah i i think as the company grows the, so the interesting thing about being an entrepreneur and, and uh, starting a company and seeing it grow is that like yeah. every like every day, but but usually it's like every two years. It seems like my job changes completely, hmm. and and the the question I ask myself regularly is like, what does the company want from me, right? What, what what is my, what can I add? How can I be useful? What what is the? How do we get to the next stage? And 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 so far, and I try to be honest about it as well, right? I I. I I feel like it might be realistic that one day the company is going to ask something from me and I realize that's not me. Right? That's <laughs> not what I can offer. That's just, uh, and, and, um, um, but so far I, I also enjoy the challenge, right? So it's, it's, it's so cool to, so I'll, I'll give you one example. So if, yeah. if the company is young, you do everything, right? You start with cleaning the toilets and then you make like a, <laughs> And, and, and offer to a partner and after that you restart the service and then you write an article and then I don't know uh, you know everything um, but then so more recently I, I think like three or four years ago I, I started realizing that I would have these meetings with people and then we would talk about stuff and then everybody would get up and would go like oh, all right let's get to work yeah. and then I would sit there and go like but I got nothing like, there's no to do on my list and the only thing i have is the next meeting and i, mm. I to me it felt frustrating right because i felt like I, I, i'm not doing anything it's just yeah. meetings i would look at my calendar and say like oh what a shitty day i just had meetings and then after a while i started realizing oh wait a minute the meeting is my thing right the products yeah. i'm i'm working on i'm refining and and perfecting is is the meeting itself like the uh, and then uh, I started focusing more on that. And then I realized like the, the meeting of course is people. So my job is people, the product is people. Right. So, yeah. um, and, and sometimes it's like a chess game with 
120 chess pieces that are all trying to move at the same yeah. time and so huh. uh, yeah I, I think that's the the challenging and the, the the incredibly interesting thing where you know i used to work with servers and documents <laughs> and and now i work yeah. with meetings and people i think it's interesting how that can change uh so drastically from from time to time just kind of based on what what the company needs but Boris, yeah. one of the one of the questions I want to ask you too, being a blog site that is like you said in I don't know if this was the Pioneer Festival back in back in 2012, but I think what I heard was you TNW was like the top ten, one of the top ten blog sites out of all you know on on the interweb, which is a big stat, really really big stat, which means probably that you get a lot of traction to to your site, get a lot of visitors. When that when that got to that point, obviously you started from zero at 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 a time. Was it SEO that that helped that grow? Was it just quality writing? Was it the user experience, user interface of what kind of grew that? How did that start growing so well to the point that you got to you know the top ten yeah. in blog sites, which is crazy? Talk about a little bit of your scale there with with the website. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there was one thing. So it's it's sort of uh, making a great soup and like putting it on the table and the people taste it like, this is a great soup. And you're yeah. like, I don't know what, <laughs> what's the difference between this one and yesterday's. Like, <laughs> and it's sort of the perfect mix and the perfect timing. And uh, But um, cooking is one of my hobbies. So uh, yeah. favorite metaphor. Uh, but um, uh, I, I do remember we had, the editor-in-chief uh, like the guy who replied to the twitter uh, that, that, uh, and took it to the place of editor-in-chief like at one point he said there's this list of all the blogs in the world and they're tracking like 300 million blogs and we're on number like in the ranking we're on 120,000. wow and like oh that's not bad right that's that's pretty close i mean out of 300 million he's like well yeah but i'm more ambitious yeah. I want to make it to the top 1,000. And I just thought like, all right, well, that <laughs> might be a little bit too ambitious if you're 130,000. But then I think less than a year later, he was like, hey, we're on number 900. I'm like, that's amazing. Wow. And then he said, top 100 within a year. That's next. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, that's just so. And we made that. And then he said, top 10. We made that, and then he said number one. And wow. I think there was one month that we were number one, uh, and then a lot of months where we were number two or hmm. three. So, and so, I so the, the honest answer is I, I don't know the answer to the question, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what the exact formula was, but it was it was sort of a moment in time, it was, um, it, it, it's the I think we stand up like if you. I always said to the writers, like, I, I want people to be able to take an article of TNW, strip out all the branding, just give someone else the text, and then the other person should be able to read it no, and go it's... like, hey, this is a TNW yeah. article. I just recognize the, it's the tone of voice, it's the insight. That's what I want. And I said, oh. I, and, and that's a, that's a, that's an ambitious goal, right? But, yeah. but I do think that that's one of the. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago where uh, I think probably around that time, 2012, that there was a time where we were really competing for the number one spot. Uh, 
but it also meant that we were focusing more on just breaking news and that made us very similar to our two or three other competitors and then at one point i started noticing that if we there's always people who hate and love you on, on online of course, of course so yeah. if we would have a more like an, an, an article that was more opinionated and people would hate it and love it people would say like the haters would say oh screw this site i'm just gonna read the other thing from now on <laughs> and so that to me signaled that like oh so apparently we're just you know interchangeable with like there we, we don't stand apart if yeah, you can just switch thing. to a competitor right yeah so that's actually the point where we decided like let's not focus on the number one spot right so we made it to number one awesome but now we're just too similar to the rest so i'd rather yeah. like I, i'd rather have like unique reporting and and people recognize the writing even though if it doesn't have the logo then be the number one in breaking news yeah hmm. So Boris, because we're pressed on time a little bit here, I just want to cut to the to the end here with with this question that I want to ask because I think it's it's applicable for the people that listen, which is if they were to get out of the chair and kind of do something similar what you have done, start a blog site of of something similar to to yourself and TMW. What should they do right out of the chair once they put this episode on pause? They walk out of the door that first initial thing that they should do to to pursue a similar path that you have what is that one action that one thing they should they should do first to make sure they take the first step on that right path what is that thing so um there's a couple of answers to that so i think uh, i think again steve jobs said like if you're gonna do something just for the money or the fame then probably you're not gonna last at it. Yeah. So so find something that you love doing, even if it doesn't get you fame and fortune. And for TNW, like we used to joke, but it was also like partly serious. Like I, I, I used to say, I would take on a job on the side to be able to do this job, yeah. right? Even if it wouldn't make me money, I would still do it because it's just so exciting to be able to do this. So I would, uh, do the shittiest job on the side in the evening to be able yeah. to be, do this job. And so so I, I think that's one part of advice, like find something you actually love doing, right? So like if, if you, yeah, if, I, if, if you're like, oh, I can't wait to get home to, I don't know, play a video game. I don't know, you know, something <laughs> that you're just extremely passionate about. Then I'm like, well, then there's probably something there, right? Go do something mm -hmm. with that, the thing that keeps you up awake because you're so excited about it. Um, and I think that's also the thing that you got to find because that's the thing that will set you apart from others. So yeah. if you're like, oh, I want to make money and start a company, you're like, all right, let's see how Boris did it. I'm going to sort of copy that. Well, then you just have a copy. And then it's also like a outdated copy because I started long ago and you're now fresh and new and <laughs> yeah. you got more energy and you're more ambitious. So, so find the thing that works for you in this time. Mm. So I, I think that's like, yeah, and that gets to the third point. Like don't listen to people like me, right? Find your own thing and, and don't let anybody stop you like this because there's a million reasons not to do something. Right. So, mm. but it's probably better to just ignore everything everybody and just get started like exactly. you, you I, I i think if you're the expert in a field 
usually you don't realize that about yourself, right? You think like, yeah, isn't that obvious? Like, like if you're mm. you know, doing this one thing, it's your hobby, you spend all your time knowing everything, and then you're like, yeah, I kind of know everything. That's <laughs> sort of obvious. Doesn't everybody? No, no. Yeah. Most people are lazy, bored, not very smart. If you are really excited about one thing, you probably stand out, right? And that's a thing exactly. that you can build on. Yeah. So I don't know. Self-awareness to me is definitely something that you should pursue if you're listening to this, you know, like don't put my name on it, but I know that getting out there, what Boris is saying is, you know, putting yourself out there, really experimenting is one way I really do believe that you can start to learn more about who you are, kind of what you, what makes you tick and all that, all that good stuff. So Boris, that's all that I had for you here. If you want to shoot out any, any links that you have for us or where you want us to go, um, you know, the TNW site, just let us know of anything that you want us to do and then we can say goodbye. Yeah, I think uh, so. The next web.com, that's the site. I'm Boris on Instagram, so you can follow me there if you want to know what I, uh, what else I do. And I'm also just Boris on Twitter, so you can ask me questions if you want. Sweet. And just so you all, like, go to your listeners, so you all feel better about yourself. Like, I, I think smart and ambitious people have a hard time understanding that not everybody in the world is smart and ambitious. That's just like a mind-opening thing if you explain that to people. Like, isn't right. everybody smart and ambitious? No, no, they're not. <laughs> like the fact that you're listening right now probably makes you more ambitious than almost everybody in the world, right? Because you're interested oh. in learning and getting ahead and doing something special. So yeah. I think that's a hugely important thing to understand that like you're unique you're ambitious you're smart and if you add a little bit of discipline you can go a long way yeah 100 guys takes Bor take boris's word for that i definitely know it's true so so boris i just want to thank you for for coming on the show and sharing your experiences my pleasure special and present of the fighter guys thanks for tuning in to the show i hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode I just want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review for the show if you like it so I can grow, reach reach more people. Also, follow my Instagram, at Josh Chingus. That's where I post most of the stuff about my episodes here. Other than that, uh, I will see you guys on the next one.